is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, Matt Law, special Matt, how's it going? I remember the last time we talked, it was international break. I was like, hey, man, enjoy it. I had no idea that you literally was that was going to be the last time you had any semblance of peace. <laughs> well, welcome to my world, because on that Sunday night, Conte got sacked. And <laughs> yeah. then on the following Sunday night, Graham Potter got sacked. Uh, at least on the Conte Sunday night, I was actually working. The Sunday just gone when Graham Potter got sacked, I actually was on a day off. And I think I was having a pillow fight with my kids when the news broke. So that was delightful. Um, but yeah, I, I said to you, didn't I, just before we started, this has to be called the subject to change episode because with yes. Chelsea at the moment, everything is subject to change in a matter of hours, let alone days, whenever this ends up going out. So uh, yeah, apologies if anything gets overtaken. Hey, and if it does, guess what? Go find Matt on Twitter. All of his articles are there. That's the easiest way to find him. So duh, that's how we <laughs> caveat this. Uh, I think we're going to talk end of days for Potter and then obviously as we as the club look ahead, uh, you know, how we got there and and what Matt knows at this point. So, uh, Matt, starting it off realistically, um, it sounds like um, the the directors uh, led the decision, presented their findings to Bully. And, and I believe in your last article, it said not only was it the lack of results, but it was uh, data that said it was lack of progress with the team as well. Yeah, I mean, I, this aspect I was quite surprised about. And to start with, I, I, I was reticent to fully believe it, but I've spoken to enough people now that I do actually believe it. So after the Villa game, it seems there was um, a meeting held um, and talks held. And basically it was it was left to the co-sporting directors of, you know, what do you think? Do, do we act now, guys, or do we leave it? You know, um, and it was their recommendation to act now, which is surprising because obviously Paul Wynn Stanley has that link with Graham Potter. Um, so I think people outside the club are surprised at that. Um, but I'm told the decision was very much based on the fact that I, I think every, those talks, it's probably, it was clear in the talks before um, Lawrence Stewart and Paul Winstanley actually made their recommendation that we were heading towards a change in the summer no matter what. You know, the way things were going, it was kind of accepted that if you didn't sack now, you were going to sack in the summer. And therefore, the recommendation came to act now because it gives them it gives them a bit of a head start in the manager market. Everybody, I don't think this was the sole reason they did it now, but you know, everybody knows it's going to be a quite a crowded manager market this summer. Tottenham are already in it. Everyone expects Real Madrid to be in it. Everyone expects Paris Saint-Germain to be in it. Everyone expects a lot of the top Italian clubs to be in it. So it gives them a head start on that. It allows them to start work on it. I think there's a recognition even before the Liverpool game that the rest of the league season at best is going to go up and down. There's not, they, they, they obviously want to finish the season as well as they can, but there's a recognition it's going to go up and down and probably won't lead to, to very much. Um, and I think they also decided in terms of the Champions League that that Champions League game is so big and the team have performed so well in the Champions League so far that there's actually a bit of a feeling that they lift themselves for the Champions League anyway. Um, and look, you can agree or not agree with it, but that's that's where I believe the reasoning laid. And and it was it was definitely uh, Stuart and Win Stanley who um, who put forward the motion. Yeah. And I'm assuming that probably wasn't the first conversation. Any insight that 
you know, because I know the line with the owners and stuff is long-term project. You know, Potter's our guy. He needs a preseason because I'm kind of surprised. I figured if Potter was going to end the season, they are going to give him a preseason. So do yeah. you feel like this maybe was a a few months coming or was it one of those things where we're like, hey, this isn't really going the way we want, but like Graham turn around and then month after month, it was kind of like the same conversation. If you remember, the tone did change. After the Southampton game, the tone was still very much we're supporting Graham and we want to stick with him. A week later, the Tottenham game came along and there was a lot in the Tottenham game that a lot of people inside Chelsea were worried about and unhappy about. And the tone after that Tottenham game changed. If you remember, I wrote a story that he faced two make-or-break games against Leeds and Borussia Dortmund. I still firmly believe had he have lost one of those games, he would have been sacked. We'll never know now. So the tone had already changed. And it didn't, while the results swung back in his favour and everybody was pleased about that and everybody hoped that would continue, the messaging didn't all, we weren't all of a sudden being told messaging that, like, oh, everything's all right till the end of the season. now. It just went quiet. Mm. So the tone had already changed in actual fact. Now, what did surprise me was I wasn't ready for it straight after the Villa game because I had reasoned in my own head since the since he came through the Leeds and Dortmund game that he would always be sort of two games away, that it'd probably always be two bad results. And I didn't really factor in the fact that a draw with Everton before the international break might be deemed as one of those sort of two bad results I thought I came away from the Villa game thinking he has to he probably has to beat Liverpool now or has to at least get something very positive out of Liverpool um otherwise we're going to be looking at his job this week and obviously it happened a bit sooner but yeah the the, the messaging the messaging changed distinctly after that Tottenham defeat and the Everton was the the bully clip from the street right (laughs) Yeah, the uh, the shitty the shitty it's a shit result F game. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Shit effing result or whatever it was. Exactly. So clearly, I mean, you know, I think most managers, obviously, everyone be upset. But, um, anyways, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 right. Obviously, I remember when we were preparing to come over for the trip, we were like, you know, we had stuff yeah. lined up with the club, and you know, even the three of us said. We just need to be prepared for the club to say, nope, because there might yeah. be a change. It might happen. So I remember we were very much talking about that. And those two games really did lift it. If you're talking about Champions League, Matt, we were there for Dortmund. Like the team do lift it. And I was talking you know, to my wife who had never been. And she was like, it was like a different team and a different game. Mm. Uh, Leeds on a Saturday versus Champions League at night. And it is. It's just, it's a different stage, different competition. It's also, it's a different... And this this isn't a criticism of the fans, but Stamford Bridge is different as well. That I mean, that atmosphere, particularly for Dortmund, was the best atmosphere for years. But Stamford Bridge does come alive for the Champions League nights. I mean, it was you can understand why because the Premier League season's gone. But the last two games, Villa and Liverpool, Stamford Bridge was as flat as a pancake. Um, and, but you know, for that Real Madrid game, even if they've gone into it on the back of a couple of defeats or there's still no new manager or people are unhappy. You still know when, as long as that ties to life for that Stamford Bridge game with Real Madrid, you know that it will be a big atmosphere at Stamford Bridge. It'll be a big night. And you're right, it it, it naturally, the, the fans lift themselves, the, the stadium comes alive and the players lift themselves. And I don't want to say it sound that disrespectfully to, to Graham Potter because he did manage the team well in the Champions League, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, the Milan 
legs, right? Home and away. Absolutely just, just, you know, flew through those legs, which was great to see. The irony is, is his first press conference, he said he'd never been to a Champions League game. And in actual fact, his, his only real success at Chelsea was in the Champions League. He, you know, if he could have converted what the team were doing in the Champions League to the Premier League, he'd certainly be manager right now and everybody would be feeling very good about him. Um, so that's a bit strange because, you know, he came in admitting he was his Champions League novice. Yeah. Um, we've also acknowledged it. We kind of feel bad for Graham. He's unbelievably unlucky. I mean... Um... I think some of it's of his own making because he didn't really push back on ownership, and I could be wrong, right? But um, the the number of signings, uh, the fact that they essentially were having two training sessions simultaneously, um, you know, the Queen's passing where Chelsea had an extra break, the Winter World Cup, there, there's just a lot of different things. You know, the the nonstop chopping and changing behind the scenes internally at Chelsea is, is Bully and, and Badad reshuffled the deck and, and tried to set it up for long-term success. Um I, I agree with that. I totally get that. Um, I guess, how much do you feel like that plays into his hand? Because I do think there are other things that, you know, like the Winter World Cup and all these breaks and things that other managers had to figure it out, and they did as well. I know we had a ton of injuries. Uh, he only got, what, 29 minutes with N'Golo Kante, which, hell, might have saved anyone's season <laughs> had he been healthy. But I can tell you in hindsight, thank gosh they played the long game with Kante because he looked so good against Liverpool. But anyways, back to Potter. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm 50-50 on this. There are definitely extenuating circumstances um, in terms of he, it, the timing when you look back at when he took over and what was going on, what has been going on, will probably be considered one of the most turbulent and difficult times in, in Chelsea's sort of modern history. Um, when you just went through it all then, you know, bits of it you forget, obviously, the, the Queen's passing and things like that. Sometimes you, you forget that that actually affected football and affected scheduling and stuff. Um, but he didn't make the best of it. And as much as I wanted Graham Potter to succeed and still believe he's a very good coach, and I think he'll come through this experience and go on to prove himself to be a very good coach, he actually made the worst of it. Um, and he let it all get on top of him. I mean, I argued a while ago with people. I don't know whether I've said it on here. I think I've said it in some articles and I've certainly argued it myself with people. I don't understand when they named the Champions League squad, why he didn't take his Champions League squad plus Badia Chile. Um, and that, that was the training group then. And the others were training somewhere else. And you say to the others, this doesn't mean... I might never need you. I might never call you up. If you want to react in a bad way to it, fine. You're going to be over there anyway. That's up to you. If you want to react in a good way, and I'm told that things are going really well, you'll come back in and we'll have a look at it, knock it off. But for a numbers point of view and for a clarity point of view, the Champions League squad plus Badia Chile is my squad for the season. And this is the training squad. I'm very sorry, the rest of you. It's not my fault. Club are in a bit of a situation at the moment. You guys are training elsewhere. And it wouldn't have been popular. There'd have been people who reacted very badly to it. But like I say, that would have told you a lot about them and probably a lot about where their future lies. And there might have been some where you actually have to consider bringing them back in and, and, and see what you can do. But at least there'd have been some clarity trying to mismash it all together and letting Ziyech come back from Normos joining PSG on loan and then playing and leaving him on the pitch when he tried to get himself sent off against Spurs. And it was just, he, he 
I I suspect he will look back and realise he handled it really badly. And I do want to stress that I don't want to look like I'm hammering Graham Potter in retrospect because I still respect the guy a lot and I still think he will prove to be a very, very good coach. Yeah, it uh, it was just a, it was a weird time and it's an interesting time, you know, and especially when we already had a big squad and then we flooded it when the January transfer window and there's just no movement the other way. It, it definitely proved difficult. So I'm kind of with you, right? Like, hey, tough situation. You probably learned a lot and in retrospect would have done some different things. But I think some of those like um, big decisions or even like being super decisive, I think it was a little too go with the flow, unfortunately. And um, and that's what we'll see. We haven't heard too much behind the scenes, but it seems like the players overall liked him and, and respected him. But maybe at times they're kind of like questioning some of the decisions. But it, it seemed positive internally? Yeah, I mean, the respecting is an interesting one because I think they definitely respected him as a human being and respected him as a man. I'm not convinced that quite a lot of them respected him as a, a manager. They probably respect him as a coach as well to make that distinction because I hear his training sessions were good, you know. There's, there's not people around saying, no, his training sessions were terrible. But his actual management and his inspirational qualities and his, like I say, ability to make big decisions, I do think he actually did lose respect in that. I think there was quite a lot of doubt quite quickly within the squad around those qualities around him. So the respect aspect of that, I'm not so sure on. But you you, you struggle to find someone who says, you know, what, what tends to happen is when a manager goes, everybody you ring all of a sudden has a story about why that manager is terrible and how that manager messed everything up. Um, and in actual fact, other than the obvious things with Graham Potter that are pretty much there for everyone to see, you're, you're not actually finding that with Graham Potter. You're ringing people up and actually people are speaking quite well of him, um, but just repeating what what really everybody already knows. Yeah. All right. Um, well, we're going to take our first break there. We get back. Uh, we got to look ahead. We got to look to the future. So plenty of updates on that. Thank you to sponsors, and we'll be right back. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company independently built that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So, and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it, they'll give you a new pair, or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, Thanks to Lost and Broken Replacements, you can get a replacement pair, no questions asked, anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right, LONDONISBLUE, all caps, spelled just like the podcast, you know, the podcast you're listening to right now. You can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. All right, so coming out of it, um, the shortlist seemed to be out pretty quickly. Um, I think it was a, a very convenient opportunity with Nagelsmann being released 
the drama, Matt. I would love a three-month contract. Win it, you get a three-year contract. Nagelsmann with Chelsea versus Tuchel with Bayern Munich. You couldn't write a bigger headline, but uh, he's not the only one. So I guess from your perspective, uh, this would be the second time you've covered a change of Chelsea manager. Would this be the first time with the directors leading it? Any difference between yes. post-Tuchel and now post-Potter? Oh, yeah, big differences. I mean, post-Tuchel, uh, um, Todd Bowley was the acting sporting director. Uh, the other guys, the sporting directors now, when Stanley and Stuart weren't in position, there wasn't any sporting team. So last time it was literally the new board. It was Bowley leading it with Bedadag Bali and the new board. There was no football advice, if you like. There was nobody left there from the old regime and there was no one in sort of in time on the new regime side. So it was just them. They acted super quickly. They took decisions very much through their own eyes and the eyes of agents. Um, and it's a completely different process now. It's chalk and cheese. It, it really is chalk and cheese. And I know people will be, uh, some people will be reticent to believe that. And don't get me wrong, the owners will get the final say. They own the football club, but they will get the recommendations put to them. They will probably only interview or be in on interviews when it gets down to a final two, or maybe even when they believe it's actually down to final one, just to check that they, they're happy with a guy. Um, and yeah, it's, it's what I would call and what we snobbishly call sometimes football people making the decisions now. And it's going to be, it doesn't mean it's not going to be a quick process, but it's going to be an exhaustive process. So there are going to be talks and meetings going on pretty much 24 seven for the next few days. It could move very, very quickly. If they suddenly decide this, this, this guy is such and such has blown us away. This is the guy we're going to move full steam ahead and they can do it quickly. It could move quickly. Similarly, it could go slowly because they could decide that the candidate that they really want only wants to come in in the summer or they could get sort of stuck between two or three candidates where they have to hold multiple rounds of interviews. Um, but however quick or slow it is, is not going to be reflective on how exhaustive it is because they're going to speak to uh, at least five people. I think up to five people, actually, I don't see it going over five people, but they're going to speak to five people. And I think they're going to have at least two rounds of interviews, if not more. So Chelsea have really been known uh, to ride the personality of the manager to kind of set the direction. We've talked about how Chelsea chop and change and you have Antonio Conte players, you have Maurizio Sarri players, you have Frank Lampard players, you have Tom Stuckel players, and it's just a bit of a mess. Do you feel like now there's a change where the club are going to set um, kind of a, a culture, an ethos? We're going to play this style. We're going to develop these types of players. We're going to recruit these types of players. I think we saw a little bit of that in the January transfer window. It was a little scattergun. You know, everyone that came in got assigning it. You know, it seemed like a little bit. Are they going to approach this differently where the manager needs to slot into what they're building versus, you know, letting the manager be kind of the, the heartbeat of the club? Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're going to stick to their philosophy. They've brought the average to average age of that squad down already quite dramatically. Uh, I say the squad. The squad's actually, they haven't got rid of the players yet. But in terms of who plays in the team, the average age has dropped quite dramatically. Including 38-year-old Tiago, who skews it the other yes. way. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yes, I, I think they will stick to that. They want, they're not just throwing out everything they wanted with Graham Potter. So 
we're going to still hear this word collaboration, which I've got to admit I'm getting a little bit tired of, but we're going to hear a lot of the word collaboration still. Um, we're going to, they definitely want someone who wants to and enjoys working with young players and wants to improve players and sees that as one of their big skill sets. And they also, this sounds a bit weird, but they also want a good guy. They, they, they don't want someone who's really going to fight, fight with them and, and prove to be maybe good someone for a year who can blow up in another year mentioning no names. So, um, I don't think they're going to throw out all their principles, but I do think there'll be a, a slight shift. I think they'll try and get someone with experience of a big club. I think whilst the squad is built in the way that they like it and the outs in the summer may still reflect how they see this club club-wise, club but that's more the sporting directors now than the owners, um, I think that the manager will get autonomy on playing style. I think the playing style is a very interesting question around Chelsea because I've argued throughout my 10 years or so covering Chelsea that I'm not sure how, how bothered Chelsea are about pretty football. All the most Chelsea, successful Chelsea teams I've ever covered have been counter-attacking, effective, and effective can be very exciting and impactful football but not really pretty football. And the only times the club has really tried to shift towards pretty football, Maurizio Sarri, a little bit with Frank Lampard, and now with Graham Potter, everything's descended into chaos. Um, and quite frankly, the fans haven't really enjoyed it. So I, I don't think, and I get this from conversations as well, I think they will let the coach set the tone on the style of football. And I, I think they probably realise already that having to play a certain style of football at Chelsea is not quite the same pressure at some other clubs. The pressure at Chelsea is to win. The pressure at Chelsea is to win and be competitive and be sort of hardworking. The pressure isn't actually always to entertain. Mm-hmm. People well, might I mean, disagree with that. No, think of I mean, obviously, I came to Chelsea, you know, Jose time when Petr Cech joined the club. And, hey, we love a good one nothing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Bring exactly. on Mikel, the closer, and lock up shop. Because what it did is it got us the results, right? It's where we conceded the fewest league goals in a Premier League season, which will probably never be beaten, right? Like, you scored goals, we won, there was silverware. That's what people want. Like, you want to see Chelsea at the top of the table. Um, and it, that's where the fans get their bragging rights. So, and you know, we had the spree. I've always, liked the, I've always liked the fact Chelsea aren't embarrassed about that. It winds me up with fans who seem to be embarrassed to say, actually, the most important thing for us is to win and to show heart and desire. I, it winds me up with, with, with some fans who are actually embarrassed to say that. And I, I like that about Chelsea. And I like, and I think it suits Chelsea. There were some clubs, Atletico Madrid, similar. It suits Atletico Madrid to be the, the club that lots of people don't like, but who can win. And you know, I've been I've been at games at Chelsea where I'd say some of the most enjoyable games for the fans have been, you know, that you play against a, a Pep Guardiola team or something, have twenty percent possession and walk off with a three-two win or something. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I do think the coach will get to set. That, that aspect of the philosophy themselves. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. Um, that is good to hear. Um, you know, uh, you, yeah, you said collaboration. They're going to have to change it. I think I have, 
some ideas. Obviously, we have a lot about the candidates we'll talk about here in, in, in a second. But, um, you know, the exhaustive search, I think that do, do, the, do the, does the club, do, how about this, do you have any idea if the club feels pressure to get this next one right? They've done something Roman oh, never did, sacked both managers. This is what I'm worried about, right, is I'm less worried about the uh, uh, a quick appointment i want the right one and i think at this point like you do have real madrid in the champions league they're struggling domestically but they're going to raise their game for the champions league as well like maybe you can find something in the interim but like you have to get this right agreed 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 they have to they they i've spoken to enough people they know that they they feel big pressure they have to get this one right because in actual fact for all the criticism they're getting and for all in the table and on the pitch it looks like a lot is going wrong and you know a lot has gone wrong um i know there is a firm belief within the club that behind the scenes and what they're putting together will bear fruition they're confident of where they're going to get to it's they've made some mistakes but they're i said this in the live show they're very confident of where they're going to get to eventually but they can't get another one wrong like so quickly they have to get this one right they have to get this one right and they will definitely definitely prioritize getting this one right over getting this one quickly doesn't mean yeah. to say they won't get it quickly but they the priority is getting it right and there's definitely a pressure within the club 100 percent. yeah yeah and, and and rightly so um anything else just about like the search or kind of the the approach to it or what they're looking for before we talk about names um, well, without talking about names, it's quite hard to say what they're looking for. So we'll come on to that when, when we talk about names. I mean, literally they had, um, so I always get lost in my days in manager sackings because it's a bit like everything gets muddled up and we're in holiday times here. Um, so the sacking happened Sunday, Monday, there was a meeting at Cobham between Bedadig Bali and the two sporting directors where the two sporting directors put forward what would be their short stroke long list. Um, names were sort of compiled there. I think a few were probably struck off there and then. And then it was agreed over the course of this week who they were going to go and approach either directly or through representatives. And that is what they are currently in the process of doing. Some because they're out of work are more advanced than others because it's very easy to get, get hold of them and get them over and, or talk on zoom to start with and then get them over others obviously take a little bit more organization because that they might be in clubs or they might just have a different situation yeah you you reminded me um there's a little bit of like oh they didn't tell the players they found out late sunday i mean is that just they didn't tell leaks? the players and i didn't yeah exactly they I, they didn't tell the players and some of the players were pissed off about that and when I first heard it, I was surprised. I thought, mm, not the best. In actual fact, they were super determined that this news wasn't going to leak. They were absolutely determined. And sadly, and I, this isn't this isn't a bad representation of players, but it's like anything. If you get told some juicy news, you can't help but tell someone. And sadly, if you tell a squad as particularly as big as Chelsea's, the news is 100% leaking. It yeah. is coming out within hours and they were determined it wasn't going to leak because a bit like they were determined they weren't going to talk to anyone uh before actually doing this with graham which actually also comes around to the point of why did they do it now they wanted to start a search they didn't want to do it behind graham's back they also didn't want to 
have any optics of that they sacked Graham behind his back. And yeah, so telling the squad was literally not telling the squad or the players were literally a case of doing everything in their power not to let this leak. And they succeeded, to be fair, didn't leak. Yeah. Yeah, no, it caught all of us by storm. A little bit of annoyance that it was during a women's game, but like it's Sunday night. You, it was getting late. Yeah, I mean, they can choose the timing to a certain extent, but once it's done, it's done. And you've got to, once the legals are all sorted out and everything, there's only so long you can sit on it. And it would, if they'd have sat on it overnight, it, it probably still would have leaked. You know what I mean? It, I don't know. That's It's unfortunate, but it's probably unavoidable. I certainly don't see any disrespect in it. Yeah, you just reminded me of all these things. Graham Potter, it seems like he was like, here, take my staff. I don't need them. Like, can I, what else can I do for you? Like, can I clean the, the he's just like, he's so nice. And he's like extending all these things and whatever. But my, the biggest thing was the contract. What, did Bedad and, and Boldy put stuff in the contract that made it not, Made it so they didn't have to pay out the the five year contract. Yes, there was a clause in the contract, so there was a, a break. There was a break clause in the contract that that was always actually made quite clear to me from the start. I never saw mm. that as particularly an issue. Had they have had to pay them full up, it'd have been around fifty million pounds. Um, but they they agreed to pay them extremely well, but also covered themselves. So they'll be very happy they covered themselves. Um, and quite frankly, the other guys are still under contract, so. If they don't sack the other guys, the only way the other guys can leave is to resign, and then they obviously get no payout. So there is a, a kind of financial and legal discussion around that. Yeah, it's not like you can all just walk out and and take your money. Right. Interesting. Yeah. It it just it is kind of Grand Potter's mo. It seemed like it things went very smoothly. Um. It, it you know it, it Bully and company like they've spent almost fifty million with sacking Potter, sacking Tuchel, paying Brighton. 50 million for managers and we don't have a manager like it's an expensive lessons that they're learning real quick on the job <laughs> i tell you what it is. it's a good job they've got deep pockets oh my gosh we're learning real quick just how deep they are holy smokes so all right we're gonna take our last break when we get back all about the names i can't believe the interim option matt that you updated everybody about earlier so uh thank you to sponsors and we'll be right back are you missing out on your favorite shows because it's not available in your region? Trying to keep your private time private? Well, let me introduce you to NordVPN. If you're bored of the U.S. Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you. With 5,000 plus servers, no show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue. You can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan with one month free. We all love to binge, but privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted so you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there's literally no risk to you with their 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue a refund, and you can pretend the entire situation never happened check it out my link nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue to get your subscription started today i'm just gonna rip off the band-aid frank lampard is viewed in a box one time and now he's potential interim manager until the end of the season well yeah we're still a little bit way <laughs> off that we're still but it is an idea so the the idea being that they need a plan 
for if um, their preferred candidate ends up being someone who won't take it until the end of the season, or if the search, like I said, if they get stuck between maybe two candidates and need to do several interviews, they don't want to rush it. They need to have a plan of, do they just try and go through all the way with Bruno? Um, or do they actually appoint what would be a more experienced caretaker uh, until the end of the season? One idea, and it is an idea, and he's not been offered anything. I am absolutely sure about that. He's not given any proper indication of whether he would be up for it. But one idea would be, in the uh, if it becomes clear the search is going to take a while, or if it becomes clear the preferred candidate won't take it to the summer, one idea would be for Frank to take a caretaker to the end of the season because he has experience of the Champions League were he to take that position in time for either of the Champions League ties or if Chelsea got through. And it, it would lift the place. It would provide a lift. There's also, I think, an understanding, actually, that Frank's talent identification is excellent. And he would actually be a very useful person for them to lean on in terms of when they're thinking about who should and who shouldn't stay for the summer, in my view. Um, so I think that might be connected to it well. But it is just an idea. It's probably still pretty unlikely that it comes to that. Um, but it's an idea, and it's not. It's certainly not been ruled out yet. I think, to me, it seems like a bad option for Frank if he's trying to full-time management again. I mean, taking an interim job, he's already had the full job. Obviously, things didn't go well at Everton. He got sacked. But, like, does that really help him? You know, he obviously there's the, the connection. Look, if he comes in, uh, let's get this Mason deal wrapped up then. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll get to see him again. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I don't see the upside for Frank Lampard because... At the end of the day, if he does, uh, clearly there's a huge upside if he goes and wins the Champions League. Um, you got to get the job again. <laughs> yeah, but otherwise, I don't see an enormous upside for him in any real scenario. If he were to win the odd Champions League tie, everyone would say great, but there would still be results and performances probably in there because of the nature of the squad and the nature of the way the club is at the moment. I don't see it would enhance his reputation or chances of getting other jobs particularly unless he were to win the champions league yeah and the, there's too for me there's too much jeopardy in the fact that i mean if he literally came in before the champions league tie and then they immediately got knocked out of the champions league and the season's over it's like what was the point of that and it won't do his reputation out his reputation inside chelsea will forever be you know legend but his reputation outside Chelsea won't do any any good for. I don't, I personally, and I'm not advising him and I'm not speaking to him, but were I to speak to him and advise him, I would be saying I don't see the potential for much upside here for you, Frank. Yeah, it, it, and that's kind of where I was at, you know, for both sides involved, like, I don't know. I mean, the league is going to be like Liverpool. It's going to be blah the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, one point away from safety. So feel like we'll get that wrapped up. <laughs> um, but there's many, many other names. And I appreciate you leaking the interview process. <laughs> hi, Julian. How will you make a score? Hi, Luis. <laughs> how will you make a score? And hi, Maurizio. How will you make a score? Because that's pretty much where we're at. <laughs> 
that's that's pretty much it, isn't it? I mean, the defensive record's not been bad. They're playing quite well. They're now creating a lot of chances. I mean, God, if someone could come in and find the magic formula of how to put the chances away, they'd, be, they'd start doing quite well pretty quickly, I think. Um, yeah, look, the, the names that are out there are, 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 there might be one or two who we, who we don't really know, but I think that we know that the main the main names are Julian Nagelsmann, Luis Enrique. I, the club aren't saying this, but I just get a feeling and my view and opinion would be that those two are the favourites at the moment. Um, then I think you've got Rizzo Pochettino, who will get spoken to probably a little bit underneath them, but he he could well blow them away in an interview and, and shoot to the top of the list. And then you've probably got a couple under him as well. Uh, I'd imagine they'd speak to Ruben Amorim again, because they sort of were aware of him last time. I don't necessarily think they actually spoke to him last time, but they were made sort of aware. So I think they might be keen to actually just have a chat with him this time. And there'll be one other, which could be one of a few people who have been mentioned, and I'm, I'm not totally sure on which one it will be. But they're the kind of names in the frame. And if one, one look, I say at the moment that my opinion is that Nagelsmann and Enrique are the two favourites. And if you were asking me to put any money on it, I would put some money on one of those two. Um, but I'm, I keep getting told that in their eyes, they want to find a front runner from the interview process rather than go into the interview process with a front runner. Yeah. So, um, it's interesting, um, with, with, you know, those names, but they talked to Potch last fall, right? Yeah. So this is second time round. Does he have to do something different, bring something to the table? Did they like him? They just kind of got obsessed with the Potter idea of the project and things like that. I think they had already got obsessed with the Potter idea. Um, so, I don't know what he would have to say or do differently or whether he even has to say anything or do anything differently or whether they just need to meet him and talk to him to even see whether, given he didn't get it last time, do you actually still have the same hunger? Is it a problem for you that you didn't get it last time? I don't know. I don't know from his perspective, actually, because I haven't heard yet. And again, this could get superseded when by the time this comes out. I don't actually know for sure yet that he would agree to talk to them. Because he's, as you say, he's been through this process once. And if you've already missed out on a job once and you're going to now be one of even more candidates, do you necessarily want to go through that again? If you might think in the back of your head, you're not you're not going to get it. So, yeah, the, the Pochettino one's interesting. I'm not quite sure where that lies in terms of whether he has to present anything differently or whether they have to sort of convince him that he's not still the bridesmaid. It's like, oh you're back hey you know yeah. he's got a little bit more leverage this time exactly uh, which you know fair play um you know with with these different you know candidates it sounds like Luis Enrique uh has flown in like you said Nagelsmann is yeah, available he's yeah he doesn't seem to be it interested in jumping immediately back in but again well, like they're just trying to find that's the them. suggestion but yeah that's the suggestion but you don't know what they can and can't offer to, to change to try and change minds on that. And they'll, they'll need to establish whether that's a hard no in terms of taking over now or whether it's a preference that can be changed. I think the good thing about the three who we probably think are the main candidates, like I say, the top two and then and then Poch, um, I think when we talk about uh, needing to be able to work with youth and develop youth, I think they've all proved that at different times there 
coaching careers to different extents, but I think they all have that in their locker. So I think there are similarities on that aspect. They are different managers, but I think that there's a philosophy running through them of what their body of work has been that actually shows that there's, there's thought within all of them. Um, I'd probably Ruben Amram as well, actually, but just on a lesser scale. My, my, my fear on Ruben Amram and why I don't think Ruben Amram will get it is because I think they have to have someone who has big club experience and big player experience this time um, because it swallowed Graham Potter up last time and they can't afford to take that risk again. So that that would be why the Ruben Amrims and Oliver Glassners of this world or even the Arnie Slaughter at Feyenoord uh, might get spoken to, but I'd be very surprised if they could get it just because the, there'd have to be a fear around the experience issue. Yeah, you listed that out. Um, you know, big club experience, clear vision, inspiring communicator, ability to improve youngsters, and then, you know, open to ideas. And especially like, you know, part of this interview process, you'd be like, hey, submit us a preliminary roster and you only get 24 slots. <laughs> Let us know, you know, because the club have to take in so many different factors, like beyond the normal scope, because you have to figure out who is going to have an exciting prospect or project that will attract new players as well. Are they going to have a big enough name? Um, we heard that one knock on Graham was, you know, players from January transfer window had never heard of Graham Potter and they had to look him up, which, OK, fine, whatever. There's up and coming managers like I get it. But are they going to have a big name? Are they going to be able to have the clear vision to say you're either in or you're out? Not this. It's okay. Like next time we got it. I think to me, like in that inspiring communicator, reading that the player, you know, it, it, that's why I think, you know, we didn't really get that. And I think you as journalists really kind of asked Graham about that a lot in the beginning. And he was even keel. We had one spike where he's like, we're going to win the fucking Champions League. And then it was right back down. Because I think he was like, oh, that was uncomfortable. I didn't like that. I'm going to go back to to doing me yeah, and none of us really like that in all honesty it was weird uh, I, it, it felt it felt like watching someone who had sworn for the first time it was very odd that was i wish he hadn't have done that to be honest with you i felt as a media that maybe we were slightly responsible for that weird moment we'd sort of slightly pushed him in a direction that he wasn't very really comfortable with yeah and then he did it and yeah it's a bit cringy yeah no i get that so enrique's in uh Nagelsmann probably up and then Poch I tell you what I I would say I think the temperature is cooling on Poch on Twitter I don't know if you've seen the same uh obviously you were you were playing the uh Potter to Tottenham Poch to Chelsea uh just to make I think that's just to make your life easy because you know the guys you've kind of got the articles you'll just flip flop (laughs) look I've covered what I would say is um I covered Pochettino's Tottenham for his entire reign there so i've got experience of pochettino i loved it it was it was like covering uh, chelsea fans will jump on me for this because the trophies weren't there but the energy in the club and the energy in the squad and the energy around the club was like covering chelsea when jose was was in and was in good jose mode instead of bad jose mode when there's just this massive energy. There's just this massive desire and motivation. Everybody feels on board on it. It's just, it really wraps you up. And Poch didn't deliver the trophies at Tottenham, but he did create that. And I have to say it was very exciting to be around, even as a reporter, let alone a supporter. So I have got a bit of bias towards Pochettino. I will admit that because I absolutely loved covering his Tottenham time. And I do think that it will come into the equation on him 
whether there is deemed to likely be an issue with the fans because the fans didn't like Graham Potter. Now, the club aren't just going to appoint the person that the fans decide they like best, but they will be wary of appointing someone who immediately the fan base could turn against quite quickly. And they probably will be wary of the fact that whoever comes in with the way the squad is and needing to get rid of people and the transitional nature of the club, they might need a bit of a honeymoon period. And does an ex-Tottenham manager who didn't win a trophy at Tottenham get a honeymoon period? It might be that all of this they can square off, but that is where I think Poch's problem or difficulties with, with Chelsea lie. I've actually been surprised to see quite a few of the big Chelsea Twitter accounts actually back Pochettino um, and and put the Tottenham thing sort of to the back of their mind. But I, I do think it'll be something on, on Chelsea minds, that one. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I worked closely with him at Tottenham and look, I think Enrique would be a sensational appointment. I'm a little bit dubious about Nagelsmann, if I'm honest with you. But I also actually think Pochettino would be a sensational appointment. And I've always quite wanted to see him at Chelsea. Yeah, I think, like I said, the the temperatures cooling on the the Spurs link. Um, I really don't hold PSG against anybody. I didn't hold it against Tuchel. Why would you hold it against Poch? Like, PSG are insane, an insane environment to operate in. And also, I've said this on the show before, I think there is a good theory that PSG is actually a wonderful stepping stone to come from for Chelsea because a lot of people get thrown into Chelsea and Chelsea, even with the new era, which we were told is going to be very different and is different in some respects, but still similar in other respects. Chelsea's a wild club, like the press interest, the, the stuff that can happen, the, the dressing room, managing Cobham. It's a beast. Chelsea is a beast of a club. And, there's probably only a few bigger beasts in world football in terms of wild stuff. And PSG is one of them. I'm not saying PSG are a bigger club. I don't want Chelsea fans to make it, but it's a crazier club. And there aren't many crazier clubs. So if you've, Tuchel used to say it, you know, that Chelsea was an absolute dream after Paris Saint-Germain. You come from Brighton, a lot of Chelsea would seem like, like Graham said, it's the impossible job. It seems like the impossible job because you come from this completely different environment. But if you've come from the other environment of PSG, actually Chelsea seems like an easy job. So I've I've argued since Tuchel came that taking PSG managers is actually a brilliant, brilliant blueprint for the rest of Chelsea's future. Because I think they're in a great position to, to come in and actually find the craziness of Chelsea pretty, pretty calm in comparison to what they've come from. Well, to your point, right? It's like they're actually going to be like, oh... I'm I'm loved here at PSG. It was brutal. At Mbappe, yeah. Neymar, and Messi were just some of the characters. Sergio Ramos is there now. Like you've got the owners and the and the sporting director Leonardo. Like it is nonstop. And the pressure is that you not only win trophies, you have to win the domestic league by a mile and beat everyone three four nil. Because why wouldn't you? We spent so much money. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's an. It's I think an it's I, I, other than maybe Real Madrid. Because that would be similar yeah. too. I think it's like I think it's the best grounding to come into Chelsea from. Do you think that this regime are worried or take into consideration managers who've previously been here that didn't work out? I'm thinking like Carlo Ancelotti, Antonio Conte. I'm not even going to bring Jose Mourinho into the mix. But do they? Are they even going to like think about those names in the future? Especially, I'm more thinking Ancelotti if he leaves Real Madrid, which it seems yeah. most likely. I think. 
I think Ancelotti has been put to them, um, but I don't. I don't think they're going to explore it. I don't. I don't think they're going to go down that route. But I think he has been put to them, um, not by himself personally, but by sort of people around him or people who think they can get around him. So the idea has been floated. I don't think it's really been picked up. Uh, I would say a hard no on Conte and Jose, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. All right. And maybe that's just more of a philosophy and style and culture of the club moving forward. It's just a different club. Yeah. It's just yeah. A, let's let. I don't think we need to to get into where their flaws might lie because I think they both mm. have been and are sensational coaches. But that the club has changed massively from what it was when those guys could could succeed at it. Yeah. No, no, that makes sense. Like I said, it's more about culture and and kind of fit and different things right now. Obviously, uh, I don't think any of their teachers called Jose or Antonio Conte collaborators as they were coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the youth taking an interest in youth is an interesting one as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got Cobham. They clearly really like Neil Bat. They've continued to give him more and more power. It seems like every three months uh, that they've been here, they, they add Mortar's remit. I saw him when we were at Cobham, by the way. Surprisingly tall guy. Yes. Yes. Quite a big guy. Fun yeah, fact. Tall and quite broad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, agreed, but agreed, soft-spoken? But, well, he doesn't like talking to the press. He hasn't got anything against us, but he just doesn't want anything to do with us. That's so fair. I think the most I might have got is a nod out of him. Hey, nice. nice. <laughs> well, I'll continue to uh, just ask Phil Chelsea Youth what it's like to to be in that man's presence. But yeah, clearly they want to continue to leverage that. That is the baseball culture is you have your farm system, your single A, double A, triple A. You develop players so then you don't have to buy them. Um, it's all a part of the thing. Matt, I'm going to wrap here. Thank you so much. Again, what is the theme for today? Subject to change episode. Damn right. Don't take this as gold. Um, it'll be out probably late Wednesday, early Thursday. So um, as more stuff comes out, again, you have to follow Matt. Uh, we have multiple friends that are in the journalism world that are following this. Uh, so you know who to follow. Uh, Matt, thank you. Um, I'm Look, job security, you're not bored. I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'm... Um, it's Easter here, and I'm um, I'm due to take a week off next week, and I have to take a week off because we've we've got things booked. So just put that in your diary, because generally when I've I've got that in, lots of things tend to happen. Oh, AK, you're gonna miss the Lampard announcement. <laughs> 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 Something funny. Yeah. All right, well we'll uh, keep our we'll keep our uh, ears to the pavement next week. Is is something's bound to break? So uh, thank you so much, Matt. Uh, enjoy Easter. Enjoy the break. And um, we'll bother you when you're back. (laughs) Cool. All right. Until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.